Audio number 99, Congregation of the Dead, part 64, God's War, part 17. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the Congregation of the Dead, Proverbs 21, 16. In this message, we will continue to further understand God's war. As John Q. Public of America, we ask simple questions such as, what would it take for all of us as Americans to live in perfect peace and harmony? Is that such a big thing to ask? And in reality, it is such a big thing because we all know that that is impossible. Perfect peace and harmony, meaning exactly that. Zero zip nada. No strife whatsoever. Just perfect harmony at all times. We all know that that isn't going to happen, is it? So the question is, why is it impossible for that to happen? Even Jesus himself, who is the Prince of Peace, knew that that will never happen. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And yet Jesus himself says to his disciples, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Verse 17. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. Verse 18. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Verse 19. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. Verse 20. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Verse 21. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. But this was nothing new that Jesus was commanding his disciple. For this began in the first family, the family of Adam and Eve. It happened with their first two sons. Cain murdered Abel. But we as John Q. Public of America, being just simple people, Asked why in the world would Cain murder Abel? 
or even in America today, it is fairly rare to find one brother murdering another brother. So we as John Q. Public of America ask ourselves, did Adam and Eve have this kind of hatred in themselves before they fell? And if not, would this hatred have been in Cain and Abel if they were born to Adam and Eve before they fell? Before they fell, Adam and Eve were holy, and thus Cain and Abel would have been born holy, and their descendants would have been holy. And yes, we then would have all lived in harmony and peace. But when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and broke one of his commandments, they fell from holiness. And God gave them over to Satan because they believed the lie of Satan over God himself. And God gave them a nature in likeness to Satan. We all know that we are liars by nature, envious by nature, thieves by nature, and even murderers by nature. And Jesus says that Satan is not only a liar, but he is the father of lies. And he was a murderer from the beginning for Cain murdered Abel. But why did Cain murder Abel? But for the fact that as part of the curse, God put enmity or hatred between the seed of the woman, which in reality ends up being Jesus and his elect, and the seed of Satan. And who is the seed of Satan? For Satan is an angel, and angels do not reproduce. But all of us natural men Americans are born with Satan as our spiritual father, for we have a nature closer to Satan than Jesus. Jesus is holy. Satan is a liar by nature. And we, by self-evident truths, know that we are liars by nature, and thus our nature is closer to Satan than Jesus, who is holy. And thus, we as natural men Americans are all born into this world with Satan as our spiritual father. And we have a natural, innate hatred or enmity towards Jesus and his elect. And so why did Cain murder Abel? But for the fact that Abel was one of Jesus' elect and was made a new creation and then began to witness to Cain. And as a result, Cain came to hate Abel. For God had put enmity or hatred between Jesus' elect and the seed of Satan. Both Abel and Cain were born into this world with Satan as their spiritual father. But once Cain was elected and began to preach to Abel this hatred began to boil over and Cain murdered Abel. And now what again did Jesus command his disciples in Matthew chapter 10 verse 17? But beware of men for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues Verse 18, and ye shall be 
brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Verse 21, and the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. Thus we see that the same thing that Jesus warned his disciples, that one brother would deliver up another brother to death happened 4,000 years before Jesus in the first family with Cain murdering Abel. And Jesus warns us as Americans. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Think not that I, Jesus, am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Verse 35, for I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. Verse 36, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Verse 37, he that loveth his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Verse 38, and he that taketh not up his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. So we, as John Q. Public of America, say to ourselves, how is it that most of the Christian families do not have this problem? And what again is the problem? And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Why is that not happening today? But for the fact that our fast food free will friends and theologians promote easy free will decisions. And so in most Christian families, everyone is a Christian. And so how can it be true that a man's foes will be of his own household if everyone is a Christian? Now, Jesus did not believe in this easy believism. Jesus confronted those who falsely followed him. John chapter 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased verse 3 and jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples verse 4 and the passover a feast of the jews was nigh verse 5 when jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him he sat unto philip whence Shall we buy bread that these may eat? Verse 6. And this he said to prove Philip. Now, Jesus knew that Philip was a pragmatist and that Philip would logically look at the situation and say that there was not enough food to feed the multitude. So Jesus is going to test him out. Verse 6, and this Jesus said to prove Philip, for he, Jesus himself, knew what Philip would do. Verse 7, 
Philip answered him, 200 pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto Philip, verse 9, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Verse 10, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. That is the multitude. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Verse 11, and Jesus took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Verse 12, when they were filled, said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Verse 13, therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with fragments of five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Verse 14, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of truth that prophet should come into the world. Verse 15, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Verse 25, and when they had found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Now skipping down, verse 33, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Verse 34, then said they unto Jesus, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Verse 35, and Jesus saith unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. They could see the Son of Man, but they could not see the Son of God. For the Son of God is spiritual. And the only people that can see the spiritual are the spiritual. Those of us who have been made a new creation. So Jesus is saying to them, you have seen me, the son of man, but not me, the son of God. That is the spiritual side of me. You didn't even see the miracles. Ye sought me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Verse 36, but I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. Verse 37, all that the father giveth me shall come to me.
That is, give to me before the foundation of the world. Verse 37 again, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Verse 38, for I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Verse 40, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son, but you do not see the spiritual side of me. You see the Son of Man that is talking to you, but you do not see the Son of God, for the Son of God is spiritual. 39 again, and this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me before the foundation of the world, I should lose nothing. Verse 41, then the Jews murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. 43. Jesus answered and said unto them, murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the father which hath sent me, draw him and I will raise him up on the last day. Does this sound like easy believism? With that introduction, let us commence with the message entitled, let us as natural men Americans pray that we will become keenly aware of the spiritual war that surrounds us, that we might fight spiritually to save our soul. In our last message, we learned that we were born into this world amidst a spiritual war, ignorant of why we are being tossed to and fro. But because we are unenlightened as natural men Americans, why we are being tossed to and fro, we just chalk it up to the fact that it's part of life and therefore we must deal with it rather than trying to understand why we are being tossed to and fro. The reason that we are ignorant of the fact that the spiritual war is going on is because it is a spiritual war and only the spiritual can see the spiritual. Unless we have become a new creation, we cannot see the spiritual. Former Mr. Morality himself, being a fast food free will theologian, was above his equals in theology. And yet he himself was ignorant of this spiritual warfare. But now he writes to his brethren in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man, just like I was as a fast food free will theologian, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. I, former Mr. Morality, thought that Jesus and his followers were foolish in their doctrine that they were preaching. All I saw was a bunch of rebel rousers, especially their leader, Jesus. Verse 14 again, but the natural man, that would have been me, former Mr. Morality, before I was converted, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. I have personal experience with this, says former Mr. Morality. For they are foolishness unto him. Jesus and his disciples were foolishness unto me. Neither can he know them. I couldn't know this spiritual warfare that was going on because 
they are spiritually discerned. Verse 15, but he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. But he, that would be me, the Apostle Paul, that is now spiritual, judges all things. Yet he himself, that would be me, is judged of no man. Verse 16, for who hath known the mind of the Lord? As a fast food free will theologian, I did not know the mind of the Lord. I thought Jesus was a rebel rouser. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? in order that he may instruct him. Who was I to be judging Jesus and his disciples? But now we have the mind of Christ. That is you, my brethren and Corinth and myself have the mind of Christ because Christ's spirit literally lives in us. So we as John Q. Public of America, being a simple people, we ask simple questions like, what is causing all this spiritual turbulence making us to be tossed to and fro? As we have mentioned many times before, Adam and Eve had a serious problem in the first family for their older son Cain murdered their younger son Abel. And why did Cain murder Abel? Let us let Fisherman John instruct us. 1 John chapter 3 verse 11. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 12, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, that is Satan, both Cain and Abel were born into this world with Satan as their spiritual father. But Abel was one of the elect and Cain was not. We as natural men Americans are all born into this world with Satan as our spiritual father. But none of us know whether we are one of the elect until after we have been elected. Verse 12 again, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother Abel. And wherefore slew he him? In other words, why did Cain kill Abel? Fisherman John writes, because his own works were evil. And why was Cain's works evil? Because he had not the righteousness of God. And his brother, which is Abel, were righteous. Abel had the imputed righteousness of God by faith. And thus, when his father looked down from heaven upon him, he saw his son's obedience as Abel's obedience. But why would Cain murder Abel? Is this to be a marvel to us? Fisherman John writes, verse 13, Marvel not, my brethren, 
if the world hate you. Now, why are we to marvel not if the world hate us? Why would Fisherman John say that? Fisherman John said that Cain murdered Abel because Abel had the imputed righteousness of Christ and Cain did not. But what made Cain hate Abel so much, but for the fact that God put enmity or hatred between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. As we have mentioned many times, angels do not reproduce. Therefore, Satan had no descendants. So who would be the seed of Satan? But we, as natural men, Americans, are born into this world with Satan as our spiritual father. For Satan is the father of lies and was a murderer from the beginning. And whose nature are we as natural men Americans closer to? Jesus who was holy or Satan? For we as natural men Americans all know that we are liars by nature, envious by nature, capable of murder, etc. And thus, we as natural men Americans innately have hatred toward those of us Americans who have been made new creations and have the imputed righteousness of God. And that is why Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10, verse 16, Behold, I, Jesus, send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves, verse 17. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, verse 18, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles, verse 19, but when they deliver you up, take no thought of how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour that ye shall speak. Verse 20, for it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father, which speaketh in you. Verse 21, and the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. Cain murdered Abel. And the father, the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. Verse 22, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth or overcomes to the end shall be saved. So this is the spiritual war that all of us natural men Americans are born into. It is the seed of the serpent against the seed of the woman. And the seed of the woman are Jesus and his elect. And Jesus tells us how the elect should pray. Dr. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Verse 2, saying, 
There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. Verse 3. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. Verse 4. And the judge would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, verse 5, yet because this widow keeps on troubling me, that is, troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Verse 7, And shall not God avenge his own, now listen carefully, his own elect, which cry, this is present tense, keep on crying day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. Verse 8, I tell you, that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. That is like this widow who was relentlessly persistent in prayer. This widow represents God's elect. It is God's elect that are persistent like this in prayer. But who are God's elect? But those who were given to Jesus before the foundation of the world by his Father. And what is the mission of Jesus? But to lose none of his elect. Jesus does not even pray for the world, but he only prays for those who were given to him by his father before the foundation of the world. Fisherman John writes, chapter 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. This is one of his final prayers before he was crucified. Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. Verse 2. As thou, Father, hast given him, that would be me, Jesus, power over all flesh, that he, that would be me, Jesus, that he should give eternal life to who? To as many as thou hast given him or me, that is, before the foundation of the world. Verse 9, And I, Jesus, pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Verse 10, And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. That is, 
the elect. And John chapter 6, verse 36. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. Verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Verse 38, for I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him, that is my Father, that sent me. Verse 39, and this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me before the foundation of the world, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Thus we see that Jesus can only give eternal life to his elect. But none of us natural man Americans know whether or not we are one of the elect when we are born into this world. And thus we all have an equal hope. The Apostle Paul was one of the elect, but he had no idea he was one of the elect. And he went on to persecute Jesus' followers for six to eight years. He, being one of the elect, but being ignorant that he was one of the elect, was persecuting the elect. Thus, if former Mr. Morality, who helped hand God over to be crucified, can be made a new creation by Jesus, that should give us all hope that in his perfect timing, he may also give us eternal life at his appointed time. And thus, let us never forget that. Former Mr. Morality, who was completely clueless of election, now knowing that he is one of the elect because he was elected and he had zero zip nada fingerprints of cooperation upon his election. And he says, I was not taught of man, nor received it from man, but it was by revelation. My Father in heaven revealed Jesus to me. I could not attain that via understanding. None of us can come to know who the Son of God is apart from revelation, not understanding. And so former Mr. Morality can now write from experience the following. He writes to his brethren in Rome, chapter 8, verse 28. And we, that is, we the elect, we, that would include me and my brethren in Rome, and we know that all things work together for good to them that do what? To them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. I was efficaciously called. I heard the voice because I was made a new creation and I became spiritual. And because I was spiritual, 
I could hear the Son of God who was spiritual. And I believed. And we, the elect, know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, that is before the foundation of the world, when he made the agreement between his father that he would save all the ones that were given to him. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, Adam, before he fell, was made in the image of God. And Jesus is God. So to be made in the image of his son is to be made in the image of God. But Adam, after he fell, was no longer in the image of God, for he had a nature in likeness to Satan. We as natural men Americans are born in the image of fallen Adam. And fallen Adam had a nature in likeness to Satan. So we as natural men Americans have a nature in likeness to Adam. Genesis chapter 5 verse 3. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness. In his would mean in Adam's own likeness. After his image, after Adam's image, after he fell, and called his name Seth. So we all, as natural men Americans, are born in likeness to Adam's image after he fell. And Adam was in likeness to whose nature but Satan. Satan being the father of lies and we as natural men Americans know that we are all born as liars into this world. 29 again, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So when we are made a new creation, the image of God is reinstated upon us, making us holy. And we are only holy because we have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. But all we can see is our own wretchedness. But our Father in heaven sees his son's perfect obedience as our obedience and thus we have the image of god reinstated upon us that he jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren when jesus rose from the dead he rose in a new body and he came back to his disciples and he could eat broiled fish they could touch him handle him he was not a ghost he was in a spiritual body and he is thus the firstborn. And when we are resurrected from the dead, we will have that same type of body. Verse 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate, that is his elect, them he also called. And whom he called, 
them he justified by imputing to them the righteousness of God by faith, making them holy in his Father in heaven's courtroom and thus innocent. Them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Verse 31, shall we then say to these things, if God be for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, that is the elect, all, how shall he not with him also freely give us the elect all things? Verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Verse 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us, that he prays for us, is what he's saying. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ that we experience as we meditate upon the word of God? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 36, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. 37, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. Verse 39, nor height nor depth nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is from the man who at one time hated Jesus Christ, helped hand him over to be crucified, and then persecuted his followers for six to eight years. All God's elect, after they have been elected, experience this experiential love, which is far superior to any human love. Christ is the groom, and we the elect are his bride. And it is through the meditation upon the word of God that we experience this intimate love which is unexplainable to the almost Christian. Jesus is not into remodeling the natural man, but he is into new construction only. When he makes us a new creation, there will first be a death and then a resurrection. And thus being born again, means there will be a death and a resurrection. Jesus explains it this way, except ye be born again, ye cannot see the kingdom of God. It is because the kingdom of God is spiritual and it is only after we have the new birth, the new creation, 
that we are spiritual and thus we can see the spiritual. Jesus is the embodiment of the kingdom of God. And thus when Jesus says, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What he is really saying is, except you be born again, you cannot see me. That is the spiritual me. You cannot see the Son of God. You can see the Son of Man. All right, Jesus can speak to you and give you admonitions, do miracles before you, but you cannot see the spiritual side of me unless you are a new creation. Let us get further context of Jesus' statement when he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, yet abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Here is the context of that command. John 12, verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. Verse 21. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Now again, in John 3, what did Jesus command the Pharisee Nicodemus, the religious leader, another moralist? Jesus commands Nicodemus, except ye be born again, ye cannot see the kingdom of God. Ye cannot see me because I am the embodiment of the kingdom of God. Jesus further explains the kingdom of God in Dr. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, that is the Bible teachers, when the kingdom of God should come, Jesus answered and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Verse 21. Neither shall they say, Lo, here, or lo, there. For the kingdom of God is within you. So Jesus says, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. And why is it not with observation? Because the kingdom of God lives in the elect that have been elected. In the true believer, the kingdom of God lives. For former Mr. Morality himself says, I, former Mr. Morality, am crucified nevertheless i live yet not i but it is christ that lives in me it is christ that literally lives in me it is the kingdom of god that lives in me and i know it and it comes not with observation because the natural man american cannot see the kingdom of God living in me. The natural man American cannot see the kingdom of God living in the true believer. 
So again, Jesus says to the Bible teacher, Pharisee, Nicodemus, except you, a fast food free will theologian, be born again, be made a new creation, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot see the spiritual side of me that is speaking to you. Verse 21 again, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. That is when the kingdom of God comes to you. Now back to John 12, verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. Verse 21. The same, the Greeks, came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. In other words, these Jews are saying, we would like to see Jesus. Could you introduce to us Jesus? But let us think for a moment. Many of us natural men Americans have sat in church sometimes our whole life, and yet we do not know Jesus. We have heard about his miracles. We have heard about his resurrection. We have heard about his crucifixion. But do we know Jesus? Can the true Jesus be known by understanding? And of that deep understanding, we come to an aha moment and think we know Jesus. Can we have an aha moment of understanding and know Jesus? What does former Mr. Morality himself say about knowing Jesus via understanding? Former Mr. Morality himself says, I was above my equals in theology, and yet I was so blind to who Jesus was, that is to who the true Messiah was, that I couldn't interpret my own Bible. And I was above my equals. For I wrote to my brethren in Rome, chapter 3, verse 10, as it is written. Written where? Written in the Old Testament. Psalm 5, Psalm 14. There is none righteous. No, not one. None righteous. And I was former Mr. Morality myself. Verse 11, there is none that understandeth. There is none that understandeth. There is none that can know the true Jesus through an aha moment of understanding. In fact, not only can we not understand, but it is also written in my Old Testament that I had the wrong interpretation, that there is none that seeketh after God. And if Jesus is God, there is none that seeketh after the true Jesus. Verse 12, they are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. And there is none that doeth good, no, not one. There it is in the Old Testament. 
and I was a scholar of the Old Testament, and there is none that doeth good. I was Mr. Morality himself, and I now have reread that same Old Testament, and there is none that doeth good, no, not one, because in God's world, good is perfect. For the rich young ruler came to Jesus in Matthew 19 and said, Good, Master, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, That is interesting that you called me good. For only God is good. And therefore, there is no good thing that you can do to inherit eternal life. Because if God is only good, then God is perfect. And if God is perfect, that means God is following the commandments perfectly. And that means that I, Jesus, am following the commandments perfectly. That's what makes me good. And no natural man American is doing good because he is not walking as I walked. And that is why. You need the imputed righteousness of God, which is my fulfillment of the law for you via faith. And both the faith and the righteousness of God comes with the package of the new creation. But repentance also comes along with the package of the new creation. True repentance is a gift of God. We as natural men Americans, as natural men, cannot have true repentance. True repentance is part of the new creation. Just as Jesus commanded Nicodemus, the Pharisee, the Bible teacher, I command you, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. But as we have mentioned many times, Jesus uses the word born because we as natural men Americans think of our natural birth when he uses born. It is only the theologians that can make born again something of man. Being born is something of God. We as natural men Americans have no control over our conception nor our natural birth. It is strictly a God thing. We have no fingerprints on it. And likewise, in Dr. Luke chapter 13, Jesus commands, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all, all of us natural men Americans, likewise perish. And what does it mean to perish? It means that we will experience hell. We will not experience heaven. Except ye be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Except ye repent, ye shall perish. Ye shall not go to heaven. Ye shall go to hell. Now, let us look at the context of this statement. Nay, but except ye shall repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Dr. Luke chapter 13, verse 1. There were present at that season some that told Jesus of the Galileans 
whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Do we not, as natural men Americans, sometimes look at a person that was suddenly killed and think to ourselves, that person was judged by God because he certainly was a great sinner. Or maybe we see a group of people that a disaster takes them and we think to ourselves how evil those people were and certainly they were judged by God. Now, what were these people thinking when they said, verse 1, there were present at that season some that told Jesus of the Galileans whose blood Pilate, the Roman, had mingled with their sacrifices. Were these people thinking in their minds that, yes, these people, these Galileans needed to be judged? And Pilate took care of that. Well, let us find out. For Jesus knows our thoughts. Verse 2, And Jesus answering and said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? In other words, these were really bad Galileans and they needed to be judged by God through Pilate. Now, if we remember back to COVID, most of us all knew that many of the doctors were saying that a person died of COVID and they may have had COVID, but in reality, they died of a heart attack. Some of us die of old age. Some of us die in automobile accidents. Some of us die of cancer. But the fact of the matter is that we all die. These other reasons are simply subsidiary reasons why we die. There has to be an underlying cause why we all, that is all of us humans, are dying. What is that underlying cause? If somebody is on death row, we know they broke a law. Maybe they committed first-degree murder. And in that particular state, first-degree murder was the death penalty. And thus we have no problem thinking that death was a judgment of God upon this person because he broke one of our American laws. So what is the underlying cause of death that very few of us are aware of. That is, we don't ask ourselves, why are we dying? What is causing us to die? We may spend billions of dollars trying to find the cause of cancer. Why do we not, as Americans, try to find the cause of death? If we don't know the cause of death, how in the world are we going to know the antidote to death? That man that was on death row broke one of our American laws. That is why he is being put to death. So is it a stretch to think that we as Americans are all being put to death 
because we have broken one of God's laws? Former Mr. Morality writes to his brethren in Rome, chapter 5, verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man, that is Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And what was that sin? Well, are we liars by nature? Envious by nature? Adulterers by nature? Thieves by nature? Do we dishonor our parents by nature? Are we liars by nature? Can lying be eradicated from our heart? Anybody that says it can be will be laughed off the stage because no matter how hard we try to eradicate lying, it is not going anywhere. If we were to make a vow to God, I will never, ever, the rest of my life, so help me God, add an infinitesimal to the truth or subtract an infinitesimal from the truth. How many minutes can we go? Lying is not going anywhere. All we can do is cover it up with the fig leaves of morality and make ourselves look like we are not liars. But we all know that we have to restrain ourselves from lying. It's not going anywhere. And heaven is holy. And if we are liars by nature, are we holy? Jesus said that Satan, this is in John 8, was the father of lies and that he was a murderer from the beginning. Is our nature closer to Satan? Or is our nature closest to Jesus, who is holy? Therefore, if we never committed one lie in our life, we would still be judged by God because we are a liar by nature. Our sin nature is the root of all acts of sin. And thus, our nature itself is a nature with inbred law-breaking. And an act of sin is simply when we let the evil black cat of disobedience out of our sin nature. It then becomes an act of disobedience. But the only reason we have that act of disobedience is because of our sin nature, which is completely disobedient to God by nature. So again, former Mr. Morality writes, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, who when he believed Satan, God gave him over to Satan, and Adam acquired a nature and likeness to Satan, who Jesus said was a liar, and is the father of lies, and was a murderer from the beginning. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. Why? For that all have sinned. And what is sin? Simply, we have broken God's law. And how many laws did Adam break? He simply broke one law. For God had commanded Adam, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the men, saying, Of every tree of the garden 
thou mayest freely eat. Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Why? For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That is, on the day you eat of it, I will kill you. I will judge you and put you to death. Second Samuel chapter 2 verse 6. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. The Lord bringeth down to the grave and the Lord bringeth up. Now back to Dr. Luke chapter 13 verse 1. There were present at that season and let us put ourselves into the shoes of these Galileans and think of the time that we have thought of people that were judged by God which were much more evil than we were. Chapter 13 verse 1, there were present at that season some that told Jesus of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Verse 2, and Jesus answering said unto them, did Jesus know their thoughts? Does Jesus know our thoughts as natural men Americans? Verse 2, and Jesus answering said unto them, suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? We have all, as natural men Americans, thought that at one time or another, have we not? So what is Jesus going to tell these Galileans? What would he tell us, natural men Americans? Verse 3, I tell you, you natural men Americans, nay, but except ye, you natural men Americans, repent, ye shall all likewise perish. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, you're all going to die. Are you not? And what does death mean? It means that I'm judging you. So you are all going to be judged just as these Galileans were judged because all of us natural men, Americans are going to face death and death is a judgment of God. And thus, except ye repent, except ye be born again, except you be like a corn of wheat that falls into the ground and dies, ye shall perish and be eternally damned. Verse 4, or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? Verse 5, I tell you, natural men Americans, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all, as natural men Americans, likewise perish. Except 
You'll be born again. You shall not see the kingdom of God, except you be as a corn of wheat that falls into the ground and dies. It will not rise up to be a living plant or a living new spiritual creation. So we see that born again has an accept in front of it. Repentance has an accept in front of it. And a corn of wheat falling into the ground and dying has an accept in front of it. Now, we have discussed many times over that Jesus purposely used the word born because we as natural man Americans think of our natural birth. Again, it's only the theologians that can mess that up. We all know we have no fingerprints upon our natural conception or our natural birth. And likewise, we have no fingerprints on our true repentance. It comes with the new creation. And likewise with the corn of wheat falling into the ground and dying. And what dies in us as natural men Americans when we are born again, but our fig leaves of morality. In Romans 7:14, it says that the law is spiritual. We as natural men Americans, because we are not a new creation, cannot use the law perfectly, nor understand how to use it. We as natural men Americans naturally use the law as fig leaves of morality to cover over the evil of our heart to make us feel we are fit for heaven. But once we become a new creation, the law now becomes written in our heart. And just as an infant knows how to feed from his mother's breast, we as new creations know how to innately use the law. We use the law to expose the evil proclivities of our heart that we might hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. We also innately know that the law demands perfection and thus every command throws us to the feet of Jesus crying out for mercy. That Jesus might then lift us up and embrace us in his love saying, I have fulfilled the commandments for you. Fear not, my father's wrath is subdued. Just believe by faith in the righteousness of God. And as we hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God, what does Jesus tell us? We will be filled. Filled with what? Filled with the love of God, which former Mr. Morality himself saying, who shall separate me from the love of God? No amount of suffering will separate me from the love of God. For Christ's love is far superior to any human love. Now back to Fisherman John, chapter 12, verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. Verse 21. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee. Notice that these Greeks were also of Galilee, Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired Jesus, saying, Sir, and he's talking to Philip, we would see 
Jesus. In other words, as we said earlier, could you please take us to Jesus and introduce us to him? Verse 22, Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. So these Greeks want to see Jesus. And so they are not at this time thinking spiritual either. They are going to introduce these Greeks to Jesus, the Son of Man, in hopes that maybe uh, Jesus would invite them over to dinner and they could get to know them. But Jesus is thinking spiritually. He knows that he could have them over for dinner every night of the week for the next three months and they would still never see him. Except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot see me, Jesus. You can see the Son of Man, but you can't see the Son of God who is spiritual. You must be spiritual to see the spiritual. So Jesus' answer to Philip and Andrew is not going to be what they think it would be. Verse 23, And Jesus answered Andrew and Philip, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it keeps on abiding alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Why? Because it is a new creation. And the new creation brings forth much fruit fruit but the new creation is the same as being born again and there can be no fingerprints on it and there must be a death of the fig leaves of morality that we might hunger and thirst after the righteousness of God which is Jesus' fulfillment of the law for us verse 25 he that loveth that's present tense he that keeps on loving his life shall lose it and he that keeps on hating his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Now we, as natural men Americans, are all born into this world in love with ourselves. And that is why Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves, Because he knows that our neighbor will be well taken care of if we love our neighbor as ourselves, because we are really in love with ourselves. And why is that? Because as natural men Americans, we do not understand that the fountain from which all evil flows in this world comes right out of our own heart. If we could remove our original sin, we as natural men Americans would all live in harmony. Our heart is so evil that all the problems in this earth result from original sin. And we are to hate original sin. But we will never hate ourselves enough to damn ourselves to hell. For we use the big leaves of morality 
to cover over the evil proclivities of our heart and thus we feel virtuous. But we will never hate our life enough to condemn ourselves to hell until the moment we are made a new creation. For in that moment of time when we are made a new creation, God circumcises our heart and we see our heart as God sees it and thus we are willing to condemn ourselves to hell. And at that moment then we flee to the righteousness of God as our ticket into heaven. All this happens at the moment of the new creation. We can now see spiritually. We now no longer have a stony heart, but a repentant heart of flesh that is in a continual state of repentance over the evil proclivities of our heart. Former Mr. Morality, as a new creation, writes, I find a law, I find a principle that when I would do good, when I try to follow the commandments, evil, that is the evil proclivities of my heart, are ever present before me. King David says, I acknowledge my transgression, I acknowledge my acts of sin, but now my sin nature is ever before me against thee and thee only have I sinned. And why does he say that? Because when we're repenting over our original sin, nobody sees it except for us and the Lord. Verse 25 again, he that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Verse 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Verse 27, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Why? Because I am going to be taking on the original sin of the elect. And thus my father will have to curse me to hell. But for this cause, I came unto this hour. 28. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Verse 29. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered Others said an angel spake to him. Verse 30, Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Verse 31, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And that is Satan. Verse 32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Verse 33. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Verse 34. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, the Son of Man shall be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Verse 35, then Jesus said unto them, 
Yet a little while is the light with you. A little while is the light with all of us natural men, Americans. We are all on death row waiting our execution. Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light. Walk while you have the light, ye natural men Americans. Lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Verse 36. While you have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. And Jesus is the light, that ye may be the children of Jesus. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. Verse 37. But though Jesus had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. What if we as natural men Americans were to experience Jesus coming here to America and we watched and listened to him and saw him do miracles. Would that be enough to make us new creations? The answer is no, because there is no way we can make ourselves born again. Being born again is the same as our natural birth. So it doesn't make any difference how many miracles he does. It doesn't mean that we can believe on him. And yet, how many of us Americans have made a decision for Jesus Christ because we have believed he did these miracles. Even if he was here today and we saw it with our own eyes, we still couldn't believe because we are dead. We must be made a new creation to become spiritual. Then we will have spiritual eyes to see. Verse 37 again, but though Jesus had done so many miracles before them, Yet they believed not on him. Verse 38. Why? In order that the saying of Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. He wrote the book of Isaiah. In order that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Which he spake. Lord. This is Isaiah. Who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Verse 39. Therefore they could not believe because that Isaiah said again, verse 40, He, God, hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart. Now how is that? Well, let us again Reread Genesis 3.15, verse 15. And I, God, will put enmity, that is hatred, between thee, that is Satan, and the woman, Eve, and between thy seed, that is Satan's seed, and her seed, that is Eve's seed. It shall bruise thy head, that is, Jesus will bruise Satan's head, and thou, Satan, shall bruise 
Jesus' heel. So, because Adam and Eve believed Satan over God, God then gave them over to Satan, and they took on Satan's nature. And what did God do? But he put hatred between the seed of Satan and the seed of the woman. And who is the seed of Satan? Well, Satan is an angel. He doesn't reproduce. So, therefore, all of us natural men Americans are born into this world with Satan as our spiritual father. And who is the seed of Eve but Jesus and his elect? So, God put hatred between the seed of the woman, which is Jesus and his elect, and the seed of the serpent, which was all of us natural men Americans are born into this world with Satan as our spiritual father. So there is this hatred between the seed of Satan and the seed of the woman. And that is why Cain murdered Abel. Cain, again, like all of us, have a nature and likeness to Satan. And Satan was a murderer from the beginning. And so Cain murdered Abel, who was made a new creation and thus had the righteousness of God. Satan's seed hates the elect and wants to destroy all of the elect. For Satan is not a nice guy. He is pure evil. And thus God's war is at the root of all other wars that exist in this world. Ultimately, if Hitler would have defeated the Allies in World War II, then Hitler would have had the power to exterminate all the elect. That is, he thought he would have the power to exterminate all the elect. Ultimately, Satan is after the elect. But who are the elect? Well, some of the elect, Satan still has in captivity. But there are other elect whom the stronger man, Jesus, has come in and bound the strong man armed Satan and delivered his elect. And these elect were adopted by our Father in heaven. And thus, Satan works on two fronts. One front is to keep those elect that he has in captivity, to keep them in captivity by one way, offering them a fake fast food free will Jesus. And the other front is to attack those who have been elected. Like former Mr. Morality himself hated the elect and persecuted the elect. But once he became elected, what did he do but travel to the countries around the Mediterranean preaching the gospel in order to deliver the elect from 
captivity, the captivity of Satan. Legend has it that all of the apostles were eventually martyred, except for fisherman John, who was exiled to the island of Patmos. And he was in his 90s at that time and wrote the book of Revelation, that is the last book in the Bible. So it is God that put hatred between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. It is God that gave Adam and Eve over to Satan, where they acquired a nature in likeness to Satan, in which they had no free will. The only free will that they had was the free will to do evil, because God demands perfection and anything less than perfection is evil. And God gave them a stony, unrepentant heart that that was unable to repent. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 24. For I, God, will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries, that is the elect, and will bring you into your own land, verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you, verse 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, that is, a repentant heart of flesh. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Verse 28, and ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. Verse 29, I will also save you from all your uncleanness. I will call you for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. Verse 30, and I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Verse 31, then shall ye remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Verse 32, not for your sakes do I this, saith the Lord God. Be it known unto you, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. As we have spoken in other messages, there is the natural Jerusalem and then there is the spiritual Jerusalem. There is the natural Israel, then there is the spiritual Israel. The spiritual Israel is the elect. Sometimes Israel is read as the nation Israel. Other times it is read as a spiritual Israel or the elect. And sometimes it can refer to both. Verse 32 again. Not for your sakes do I this, saith the Lord God. Be it known unto you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. That can be read in both ways. 
Verse 34, and the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in sight of all that passed by. Now, as we read the following, let us think America. From 1620, when the pilgrims came, all the way up to 1830, the bondage of the will doctrine was dominant in America. In 1830, Charles Finney was a fast food free will theologian and he got the ball rolling again for free will. That is, the free will doctrine found traction through him. And the bondage of the will doctrine has been on a downward spiral since 1830. And now the fast food free will churches control almost all the churches and all the airwaves. And if we think of the church as the sun and the moon as the nation, we can understand why we are in a moral meltdown. The fast food free will theologians are massively dominant in America. And that is why our political institutions are rapidly eroding away and our morality is on a destructive rapid out of control downward spiral awaiting god's judgment upon us god judges nations in the same way he judges people it is all throughout the old testament here is just one example judges chapter 6 verse 1 and the children of israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. So who was it that delivered Israel into the hand of their enemies? Let's read that again. And the children of Israel did what? The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. Let's reread that again and put America in there. And the children of America did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered America into the hand of Russia or into the hand of China. Verse 2, And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. Verse 3. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. Verse 4. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth. In other words, they destroyed their farms. Until thou came unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. Verse 5, For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for the multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land of Israel to destroy it. Verse 6, And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel 
cried unto the Lord. Why? Because of the Midianites. And this is exactly what we need to do in America today. We need to not just call unto the Lord, but cry out for mercy that the Lord God would spare us for our immorality. All our founding fathers knew that there is no such thing as freedom apart from morality. John Adams, our second president, wrote that this constitution is written for a religious and moral people. It is wholly inadequate for any other. Now, how many of our politicians today are asking us as Americans to repent? Abraham Lincoln, after losing battle after battle for two years from 1861 to 1863, finally called for a day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer in which he had the whole country shut down, that they might go to their places of worship for a day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. This was to take place on April 30th, 1863. On January 1st of 1863, declared the Emancipation Proclamation in which the slaves would be freed if they won the war. Then on April 30th, 1863, he is going to declare the day of fasting and prayer and humiliation. And then on July 1 through 3 was the Battle of Gettysburg in which there were about 50,000 casualties in three days. But Abraham Lincoln and his Union Army got one of their first major victories. And they went on from there to win almost every battle for the next two years until Robert E. Lee of the Confederate Army surrendered on Palm Sunday, which is the triumphal entry of Jesus as king. And then just five days later, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated on Good Friday, making it clear to all of us as Americans that God was with Abraham Lincoln. Let us now read his proclamation of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Quote, by the President of the United States of America, a proclamation, whereas the Senate of the United States, devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God in all the affairs of men and of nations has by a resolution requested the president to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. And whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God to confess their sins. That is, we as Americans today need to confess our sins and transgressions 
in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. And in so much as we know that by his divine law, nations like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world, may we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates the land, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us, that is us Americans, for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own intoxicated with unbroken success we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace too proud to pray to the god that made us it behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power to confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Now, therefore, in compliance with the request and fully concurring in the views of the Senate, I, Abraham Lincoln, do by this my proclamation designate and set apart Thursday, the 30th, day of April 1863 as a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And I do hereby request all the people, all the people of America, to abstain on that day from their ordinary secular pursuits and to unite at their several places of public worship and their respective homes in keeping the day holy to the Lord and devoted to the humble discharge of the religious duties proper to that solemn occasion. And this being done in sincerity and truth, 
Let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the united cry of the nation, the united cry of America, will be heard on high and answered with blessings no less than the pardon of our national sins and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. In witness whereof I have here unto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed. Done at the city of Washington this 30th day of March in the year of our Lord, 1863, and of the independence of the United States, the 87th year by the President Abraham Lincoln, William H. Seward, Secretary of State. Isn't that what we need in America today? We need to pray that God will raise up righteous leaders that will lead us as a nation to repentance. It is the only way out of this moral meltdown. That coupled with the bondage of the will doctrine becoming again the dominant doctrine of America where we have the true Jesus, the doctrine of the true Jesus again dominant in America. Now let us return to Ezekiel verse 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Verse 26. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit, that is the spirit of Christ, will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh, a repentant heart of flesh. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit, Christ's spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Verse 28, and ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and ye shall be my people and I will be your God. Verse 29, I will also save you from all your uncleanness and I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. Verse 30, and I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Verse 31, then shall ye remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Verse 32, not for your sakes do I do this, saith the Lord God. Be it known unto you, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Read both ways, the elect and the nation Israel or the nation America. Verse 33, thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, 
I will also cause you to dwell in the cities, Chicago, New York, LA, Seattle, etc. All our cities that are in a moral meltdown. I will cause you to dwell in the cities and the waste shall be builded. Verse 34, and the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lays desolate in the sight of all that pass by. Verse 35, and they shall say, this land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and inhabited. Verse 36, then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that that was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Verse 37, thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock. Verse 38, as the holy flock, as the flock of Jerusalem in her solemn feasts, so shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of men and they shall know that I am the Lord. Now, most of us that have had some amount of Bible time know that God gave Israel the land of Israel. But in order for God to give Israel the land of Israel, the inhabitants of that land had to be driven out. But probably most of us natural men Americans do not know why God was going to have Israel drive out the inhabitants that lived there. There were actually several nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So we as John Q. Public of America, being simple men, ask simple questions. Why would God drive these countries out in order that Israel might take them over? Well, this is discussed in Leviticus chapter 18. Let us take an excerpt of this chapter to affirm what I just said. And we'll begin with verse 24, and then we'll come back and read the entire chapter. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 24. Defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in all these the nations are defiled, which I, God, cast out before you. Verse 25. And the land is defiled. Therefore, I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. Verse 26. 
Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. Verse 27. For all these abominations have the men of the land done, which were before you, and the land is defiled. Verse 28, that the land spew you not out also when ye defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. Verse 29, for whoso Ever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Now let us go back to the beginning of the chapter so we can find out what sins these nations were committing. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. And the book of Leviticus is the third book. Verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Verse 2, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. Verse 3, After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, shall ye not do and after the doings of the land of canaan whether i bring you shall ye not do neither shall ye walk in their ordinances verse 4 ye shall do my judgments and keep mine ordinances to walk therein i am the lord your god verse 5 Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. Verse 6. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. That is to have intimacy. I am the Lord, verse 7, the nakedness of thy father or the nakedness of thy mother shalt thou not uncover. She is thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. Verse 8, the nakedness of thy father's wife shalt thou not uncover. It is thy father's nakedness verse 9 the nakedness of thy sister the daughter of thy father or daughter of thy mother whether she be born at home or born abroad even their nakedness thou shalt not uncover verse 10 the nakedness of thy son's daughter or of thy daughter's daughter even their nakedness thou shalt not uncover for theirs is thine own nakedness. Verse 11, the nakedness of thy father's wife's daughter, begotten of thy father. She is thy sister. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. 
Verse 12, Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy father's sister. She is thy father's near kinswoman. Verse 13, Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy mother's sister, for she is thy mother's near kinsman. Verse 14, Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy father's brother. Thou shalt not approach to his wife. She is thine aunt. Verse 15, Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy daughter-in-law. She is thy son's wife. And thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. Verse 16, Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy brother's wife. It is thy brother's nakedness. Verse 17, Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter. Neither shalt thou take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness for they are her near kinswomen. It is wickedness. Verse 18, neither shalt thou take a wife to her sister to vex her, to uncover her nakedness besides the other in her lifetime. Verse 19, also thou shalt not approach unto a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is put apart for her uncleanness. That is her period. Verse 20. Moreover, thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. Verse 21. And thou shalt not let any of thy seed Pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Verse 23, neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Verse 24, defile not ye yourselves that is, ye Americans, in any of these things. For in all these, the nations are defiled, which I will cast out before you. Verse 25. And the land is defiled. Therefore, I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. Verse 26, Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation nor any stranger that so journeth among you. Verse 27, For all these abominations have the men of the land 
done which were before you. And the land is defiled, verse 28, that the land spew not you out also when ye defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. Verse 29, for whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Verse 30, therefore shall ye, Americans, keep mine ordinance that ye commit not any of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that ye defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord your God. Now let us again read an excerpt of Abraham Lincoln's proclamation of a day of humility, fasting, and prayer. And let us notice how Abraham Lincoln has no problem acknowledging that the Lord Jesus is the governor of all the nations and we are responsible to him and that Abraham Lincoln does not disconnect the nation from our sins. We sin as individuals, but we also sin as a nation. We as Americans, again, need to remember this. Our fast food free will theologians have tended to separate the nation from the church. And when we ask our fast food free will friends and theologians, what is the cause of the moral meltdown in America? Most of the time, they tell us it is because we are in the last times. But if we read Fisherman John, 1 John 2.18, Fisherman John warns his flock that they are in the last times. So George Washington was in the last times. Madison was in the last times. Jefferson was in the last times. Martin Luther in 1517 was in the last times. We've been in the last times since the cross. So how in the world did America become the beacon of light? It was in the last times also. It is the church that must take responsibility for the moral meltdown of the nation. The church is like the sun. The nation is simply a reflection of what's going on in the church. And in reality, the bondage of the will church has let its foot off the accelerator. That is why the fast food free will theologians, because there is no way they can win the doctrinal debate because their entire doctrine is based upon a fiction. So if the bondage of the will church would again put its foot on the accelerator, it is going to win the debate and it is again going to become dominant in America. Now let us again listen carefully to what Abraham Lincoln said. And whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men, both the nations and men are responsible to God to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God. Let us listen to King Solomon 
in order to confirm this. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1. The king's heart, or President Biden's heart, or President Trump's heart, or the President of the United States' heart, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, God turneth it whithersoever he will. These next verses show how important it is for the righteous to be in authority again in America. There are two kinds of righteous. One is the moral righteous and the other is the two Christians which have the imputed righteousness of God. It is important that the bondage of the will doctrine be dominant in America. And what will the bondage of the will doctrine preach? But the righteousness of God. In other words, when the bondage of the will doctrine is preached, total depravity will be preached or sour will be preached. And by the trickle down effect, the country will become sweet and sour or will become moral. And these moral people or righteous people can also be used along with the true Christians who have the righteousness of God. Thus, when we read these verses, the righteousness can include both the moral righteous and those who have the imputed righteousness of God to be in authority. The trouble is that when the fast food free will theologians are dominant, they are preaching sweet and sour. And thus, many of our natural men Americans lagging behind the church begin to believe in sweet and wonderful. And those people who see themselves as sweet and wonderful have absolutely no right to be in positions of authority because they are victims and victims do not believe in freedom of speech because they cannot take criticism and when they begin to get in power we become a socialist country first and then we flip over into tyranny so now let us again listen to king solomon and listen for the word righteous Proverbs 29, verse 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. King Solomon writes, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 11. By the blessing of the upright, that is the righteous, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of of the wicked verse 10 when it goeth well with the righteous the city rejoiceth and when the wicked perish there is shouting the bondage of the will doctrine does not disconnect the church from the nation the bondage of the will doctrine believes that the church and the nation are tied together, which is exactly what Abraham Lincoln was saying. Back to Abraham Lincoln. 
and whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord, that is King Jesus. And in so much as we know that by his divine law, nations like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world, may we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war which now desolates the land may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of what? Of our national reformation as a whole people. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years, and we still are. In peace and prosperity, we have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we, as Americans today, have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made America, that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Where are these political leaders? Where is our Senate? Where is our House? In calling for a National Day of Humiliation, Fasting, and Prayer. Again, Abraham Lincoln. A proclamation, whereas the Senate of the United States, devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God in all the affairs of men and of nations, has by a resolution requested the president to designate and set apart a day of national prayer and humiliation. So the Senate asked for this. Where's our Senate? Where is our house asking for a day of repentance in the United States of America today? So hopefully we are beginning to see that the doctrine of the bondage of the will is not only
important for the salvation of our souls and the salvation of our children's souls, but for the salvation of America. To save America, we as American parents have to stop this nonsense of teaching our children that they are sweet and wonderful, that they are born into this world as a clean slate, and it is the world that corrupts our children. No, the only thing that the world can do is to trigger an evil proclivity of our children's heart to escape and that it then becomes an act of sin. But we as parents should be teaching our children to become aware of those evil proclivities of envy, jealousy, covetousness, pride, cheating, lying, etc and learn to recognize them so they can repent over them before they become an act of sin. Once they recognize them, it will be very difficult for the world to trigger these evil proclivities of our heart to escape, to encourage that black cat to escape. Former Mr. Morality writes in Romans chapter 13, verse 14, But I command you, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. In other words, let us not as natural men Americans put ourselves in a situation where one of the evil proclivities of our heart is tempted Flee from that. King Solomon warns us men to be careful that we be not seduced by women. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 13. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knoweth nothing. Verse 14. For she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city, like Washington, D.C. Verse 15, to call passengers who go right on their ways. Verse 16, whoso is simple, and who of us men are simple, but those of us that do not know that, that the evil proclivity of fornication can destroy us if the evil black cat of fornication is drawn out of us by a woman. Verse 14 again, For she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city. Verse 15, To call passengers who go right on their ways. Verse 16, Whosoever is simple, let him turn in hither. And as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith unto him, Verse 17, stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Verse 18, but he, the simple one, knoweth not that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of hell. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, my son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Verse 21, bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. Verse 22, when thou goest, 
it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. Verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Verse 24. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Verse 25. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. Verse 26. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Verse 27. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? And this is similar to what former Mr. Morality wrote in Romans chapter 13, verse 14. But I command you, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof, that is, the evil proclivities thereof. Verse 27 sounds a lot like this. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? Verse 28, can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burnt? Verse 29, so he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever touches her, shall not be innocent. Since sexual immorality is rampant in America today, let us read a little bit more. King Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Verse 2, keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thine eye. Verse 3, bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Verse 4, say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman. Verse 5, in order that they may keep thee from who? The strange woman from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Verse six, for at the window of my house, I looked through my casement. Verse seven, and behold, among the simple ones, those that are unaware of their original sin, unaware of the evil proclivities of their heart and are not in a state of repentance over them, Verse 7, and behold, among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. He didn't understand about his original sin. Verse 8, passing through the street near her corner, and he went the ways to her house. Verse 9, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, Verse 10, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. Now, it is not hard in America today to find women 
that are immodestly dressed, that are scantily clad. Verse 11, she is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Verse 12, now is she without, not in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. Verse 13, so she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, verse 14, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Verse 15, therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. Verse 16, I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry and carved works with fine linen of Egypt. Verse 17, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh aloes and cinnamon verse 18 come let us take our fill of love until the morning let us solace ourselves with loves verse 19 for the good man is not at home he is gone on a long journey verse 20 he hath taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. Verse 21, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. And with the flattering of her lips, she forced him. Verse 22, he goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Verse 23, till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. Verse 24, Hearken unto me now therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Verse 25, Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. Verse 26, for she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Verse 27, her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Now, how many of us natural men Americans have been instructed in this? Probably not many of us. God is telling us to keep the evil proclivity of fornication and adultery under wraps. For her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. All of us know how destructive fornication and adultery has been in America today. At the time of Abraham Lincoln, the divorce rate was 3%. By 1900, it was approaching 10%. By the 1920s, it was into the 20%. By 1985, it was over 50%. And now things are so out of control. Living together and not being married is rampant. Jesus speaks about those of us that are living together and not married. And we spoke about this in a previous message. And so we will just take an excerpt or two to remind us. As we have mentioned many times over, 
Jesus' mission here on earth is to lose none of the elect that were given to him before the foundation of the world. On chapter 6, verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Verse 38, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him, that is my Father, that sent me. Verse 39, And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I, Jesus, should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Verse 40. And this is the will of him, that is my Father, that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son, and we discussed about seeing the Son. We cannot see the Son until we are made a new creation. We have to be spiritual to see the spiritual side of Jesus. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And that doesn't happen until we are made a new creation by Jesus. And I will raise him up on the last day. So Jesus' mission here on earth is to lose none of his elect. In John 4, verse 3, it says that Jesus left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Verse 4, and he must needs go through Samaria. Now, why does he must need go to Samaria? But that one of his elect, who is the Samaritan woman, the Samaritans were half-breeds. They had intermarried with the pagans, so they were looked down upon by the Jews. So Jesus must needs go to meet the Samaritan woman so that he can save her. But in order to save her, he is going to have to use his two-edged sword, which is the word of God, and he swings it one way to wound her and then swings it back the other way to heal her. Now, let's suppose that we have an encounter with Jesus as natural men Americans. Would we try to hide our sin from Jesus or would we play straight with him? Let us look at John chapter 3, verse 18. He that believeth on Jesus is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So we all, as natural men Americans, are born into this world, except for a few, like John the Baptist, are born into this world as unbelievers. And so what does it say? But he that believeth not is condemned already. So when we are born into this world, we are already under the condemnation. We are already cursed to hell, unless we find a pardon before we die. He that believeth on Jesus is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not 
believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19. And this is the condemnation. What is the condemnation? This is the condemnation. This is equal to the condemnation. What is equal to the condemnation? That light, that is Jesus, is come into the world. And men loved darkness. I know who is darkness, but Satan. And men love darkness rather than light, rather than Jesus. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Now we all will not come to the light because our deeds are evil. And what is evil but anything less than perfect? And so we as natural Americans are always using the fig leaves of morality to cover over the evil proclivities of our heart, making us feel that we are then right with God. 19 again, and this is the condemnation, that light or Jesus has come into the world and men love darkness or Satan rather than the light, Jesus, because their deeds were evil. Verse 20, for everyone that doeth evil, everyone that is less than perfect, everyone that is not holy, and none of us are holy, for everyone that doeth evil, hateth the light, hateth Jesus, the true Jesus, neither cometh to the light, to the true Jesus. Why won't we come to the true Jesus? Lest his deeds should be reproved. But we as John Q. Public of America, being a simple people, say to ourselves, if Jesus already knows all of our sins, why not just fess up? And the answer is, it is in our DNA that the fig leaves of morality are our ticket into heaven. The fig leaves of morality is our security blanket. It is our idol. And we do not want to be separated from our security blanket. And therefore, we would rather cover over our sins rather than fess up our sins to the true Jesus and be left naked before him. But he sees it already. So why not just fess up? Well, it's very difficult to get rid of that idol of the fig leaves of morality. But this woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, she knows that the Messiah or the true Jesus already knows all things. And therefore, when Jesus rebukes her, she is ready to repent. So without much commentary, since we've already done it in a different message, let us just read quickly through this. Then cometh Jesus to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. That's noon. Verse 7. 
there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Verse 8, For his disciples were gone unto the city to buy meat. Now, there's no accident that his disciples were not there because he is going to have a personal interaction with this woman and speak to and convict her of her sin. Verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, a Samaritan, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, which is the righteousness of God, and who it is, that saith unto thee, I'm the true Jesus, which you can't see, because the true Jesus is spiritual, and you have to become a new creation to see who I am. And who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would have given thee living water, spiritual water. In other words, Jesus would give him himself for his spirit would then dwell in her. Just like the Apostle Paul, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but it is Christ that lives in me. He would have given thee living water, or the Spirit of Christ. Verse 11, The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Verse 12, Art thou greater than our father Jacob? which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water that would be my spirit, Jesus' spirit in her. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. Verse 15, the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Verse 16, now Jesus is going to convict her of her sin. And how is he going to do that? Verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, Go Call thy husband and come hither. Now, why do you think that Jesus told her to go call her husband? Let us find out. Verse 16 again. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Verse 17. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Now, how many of us natural men Americans have told a half-truth but left out the full truth? This Samaritan woman just told Jesus a half-truth. But Jesus knows the whole truth, and he knows the whole truth about us Americans. So why not just fess up? Because this woman is going to be rebuked by Jesus. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou 
past well said, I have no husband. In other words, part of what you said was true. Verse 18, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now has is not thy husband, and that saidest thou truly. In other words, Jesus is saying to her, you did tell the truth when you said you had no husband, but you conveniently left out that you have had five husbands and the one that you have now you're not married to, you're living with him. Now, instead of her becoming angry and stomping off because Jesus told her the truth, she, as one of the elect, is ready to hear the truth. Verse 19, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Verse 20, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Verse 22, ye worship, ye know not what? We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. Verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And I, Jesus, am the truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And that can only happen if we're a new creation. Verse 25, the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh. The Messiah ended up being Jesus. And so she is saying, I know that the Messiah is coming, or I know that the true Jesus is coming, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. So she knew this. And what did Jesus do? But tell her all about her five husbands and the man that she was living with. Verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I am the Messiah. Verse 27, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, where seeketh thou? Or why talketh thou with her? Verse 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, verse 29, come see a man which told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans were come unto Jesus, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he, that is Jesus, abode there two days. Verse 41, and many more believed because of his own word. Verse 42, 
and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. They became new creations, and therefore they were able to hear spiritually. And know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So maybe Jesus must needs come to one of our cities that we as natural men Americans live. We all have the same hope. This Samaritan woman had no idea that she was one of the elect, and yet Jesus found her. Jesus is to lose none of the elect. But if Jesus is to find us, why should we do anything? For all our overcoming, all our agonizing, will mean nothing because Jesus already knows the outcome. And we cannot change that outcome. And thus, it seems ridiculous to agonize or to try to overcome to be saved. And that is correct. All our agonizing, all our attempts to overcome will mean absolutely nothing. For if we are one of the elect, Jesus is going to find us no matter what. So why even try? And the answer to that question is we simply do what Jesus commands us to do. Even though it is quite paradoxical, even though it is a mystery to us. For the doctrine of the bondage of the will in which our will is bound in salvation seems completely plausible to us. For free will being a fiction is so easily proved even by self-evident truths. And thus it seems ridiculous to seek after a fast food free will Jesus. So let us not forget that we as natural men Americans are born into this world amidst a spiritual war, God's war. It is God who put enmity or hatred between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And that is why Cain murdered Abel. Abel was one of the elect, Cain was not. And therefore, the first casualty of that war came through with Cain, one of the ones that was not one of the elect, murdering Abel, who was one of the elect. This is the root of all other wars, the non-elect hating and wanting to go to war against the elect. Let us remember that none of us know whether or not we are one of the elect. Therefore, we all have the same hope of salvation. And so let us end this message by listening to what Jesus commands us to do. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Jesus commands us, Keep on asking, and it shall be given unto you. Keep on seeking, and ye shall find. Keep on knocking, and it shall be opened unto you. Verse 8. For everyone that keeps on asking, keeps on receiving. And he that keeps on seeking, keeps on finding. And to him that keeps on knocking, it shall be opened. Verse 9. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Verse 10. Or if he ask a fish, 
will he give him a serpent? Verse 11, if ye then, being evil, because you have a original sin, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that keep asking him? Verse 12, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Verse 13, I command you, I, Jesus, command you, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Verse 14, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Verse 15, I command you, beware of false prophets, fast food, free will theologians, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Verse 16, ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Verse 17, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Verse 18, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Now let us think about that for a moment. Would we consider ourselves the good tree or the evil tree? A good tree can only bring forth good fruit. Now what do you think most Christians are going to say? They are going to say that they are the good tree and that the world is the evil tree or the non-believers are the evil tree. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Well, if we are a Christian, do we sin? Yes, we sin and therefore we bring forth evil fruit. So therefore, as a Christian, we cannot be the good tree, but we cannot be the evil tree either because the evil tree can only bring about evil. So what is up here? The answer to that question is that the evil tree is the unbeliever. The unbeliever can only do evil. But who then is the good tree? The good tree can only do good, only bring forth good fruit. Well, who's the only one that can bring forth no evil but only good? And that is Jesus. So Jesus is the good tree. The unbelievers are the evil tree. So who is the Christian then? The Christian is paradoxically both trees. Former Mr. Morality says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, 
but it is Christ that lives in me. The good tree lives in us who are the evil trees. All we can see is the evil in our own heart. And the righteousness of God is hid behind its opposite. What's the opposite of it? It's our evilness, our evil sin nature. All we can see is our evil sin nature. And therefore, by faith, we believe in the righteousness of God. Verse 19, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Verse 20, wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. Verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Jesus, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. What is the will of our Father in heaven? Is that is we have to be perfect. And the only way we can do his will is to be wrapped in his son's perfect obedience, the righteousness of God by faith. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Verse 23. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. In other words, you were never a new creation. You were never spiritual. And therefore, you never could see me. You only saw the Son of Man. You did not see the spiritual side of me. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Verse 25. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. Verse 26, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Verse 27, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Verse 28, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. In the name of Jesus, amen.